Hello, and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. We apologize for the delay in the release of today's podcast. We were dealing with some technical difficulties this morning and ran out of time. But we're here now, so let's get the ball rolling. I'm Andrew. I'm here with Joe. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing pretty good. Came back from a little vacation. Excited to get started again on the podcast. Yeah, and Eric was on that vacation too. He's here now. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing great, man. It was like Joe said, it was a wonderful vacation, man. We were in Portland, Oregon, seeing some family and really good getaway. Nice. What were you guys doing over there? Like, what was the what was the event? Uh, Yeah. So uh, one of my cousins, she got married, and uh, you know, social distance wedding, and uh, it was a really nice wedding, man. It was in the suburbs of portland oregon and you know, she has a nice house there and it's in the, kind of in the woods has her own little spot mm-hmm. really nice wedding man it was very lovely great to see my family doing well as well hopefully everyone else on our podcast and every all, all of our listeners are doing just as well as uh uh everyone around us because i know all of us right now are pretty blessed man yeah agreed yeah i actually uh, my cousin is going to be having a social distance wedding too here in uh october yeah. october 3rd yeah. so okay yeah, a lot of things changed, man. We got to just uh, work with what we got. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So some of today's featured topics are going to include, are the Lakers looking like they're back on top of the West? Are the Utah Jazz a legitimate threat out in the West? And who has been the most impressive player in the first round of the playoffs? Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. Let's jump right into it. The Lakers... The Los Angeles Lakers grabbed a big lead early against the Portland Trailblazers and never looked back. LeBron was locked in this game, finishing with 30 points and 10 assists in 28 minutes of play. So, Joe, are the Lakers looking like they're back on top of the West? Well, I got to say, at least in the first series with the Blazers, they had that small, small hiccup with them in that first game. But right after that, they straight dominated for the next three games. Mm. But it all it all is going to depend on who they play next out of the Rockets and Thunder. So mm. we'll find out in the next series. Mm. Who do you believe they'll play next? Oh, man. I'm going to have to say the Rockets, even though I want Thunder. But it's going to be the Rockets. Mm. Eric, what are your thoughts on the fact on the Los Angeles Lakers? Are they looking like they're back on top of the West? First, let me get this off my chest, man. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty big Warrior fan, but I do love the Blazers. They're like what? the secondary team. <laughs> you here. a big Warriors fan? What? Oh, of course, of course, of course. But let me, you know, I'm just getting this off my chest. I was in Portland, and so was Joe here, and he can he can uh, hold me accountable for this one. It was really sad that for the few days we were in Portland, every game they lost, and the last <laughs> one we were there for was a complete blowout. Just to watch everyone's faces was very disappointing. But, yes, I would say the Lakers do look like they're back on top in the West, though there are some teams that are looking really good here in the West. But it looks like the Lakers do have that top-notch spot. Um, like you said, Drew, uh, LeBron went off, and it looks like uh, the – you know they were the worst three point shooting team in the bubble, and now the right the last game they shot forty three point six percent from three, 
And they also shot for these 6.3% just in field goals that aren't the three. So, I mean, they're doing really well. And uh, they were hitting, you know, a lot of their shots. LeBron was just an animal that day. No one seemed to stop him. And uh, as much as I want to give a lot of praise to LeBron, throughout all the series, I really think AD is the one that's really had the most on his back here. Mm. AD's been going off every game. Like, so has LeBron. But LeBron hasn't doing, like, the first game, AD's overscored LeBron and so on. And AD has been very, very consistent. Uh, LeBron so has two in his assist numbers and stuff like that, but uh, he's really shown out in this last game. And I do believe the West is now really controlled by the Lakers. Though, like I said, there are some more teams here, which we will talk about later in the podcast, which I think are very close since they're fighting, you know, closer to the seeds. They are, this is a one and an eight seed as much as perspective I have for the Blazers. They are the eighth seed. They fought to get there. Yes. But uh, it's not like a four, five or a, a three, six, you know, Mm. yeah um to your to uh some of your guys' points you guys were talking about how right now they're at least looking like it and i have to agree with you guys uh i believe that right now they're back on top but here's the thing they gotta they still gotta win nine more games to represent Mm -hmm. the west in the finals exactly now i still believe with every fiber of my being that this conference will come down to the two teams from la the Clippers last night were very impressive. It was the most points the Clippers have scored in postseason history. And it was also the most points a team has ever scored against the Dallas Mavericks in postseason history. Wow. The thing that I have, though, against um, the thing that I have against the Clippers is that was only one game in the series so far. They've already played five games, and that was only one game that they just dominated. They have been lackluster, I think, according to the standards that we've held them to. True. I think, I think they've mm-hmm. been lackluster. Though and, I would say, sorry to cut you off, but I would say that they kind of have been lackluster almost all season with people being out and, you know, just not having the same chemistry as maybe the Lakers have. That might be it. That might be an issue. The issue of it is just chemistry, like overall chemistry between them. But when you just look at this roster from top to bottom, you know, it's, it looks like the best roster on paper. And they haven't shown that versus the Dallas Mavericks. Now, credit to the Mavericks. And I'm, I'm here to say that the Mavericks have proved me wrong, and I've loved every second of it. They have, they have shown up in the postseason defensively, and they have, they have uh, how do I word this? They finished those close games when they've needed to, uh, you know, especially that game-winning shot by Doncic. I mean, that kind of stuff they were not doing in the regular season at all. They weren't playing defense and they weren't finishing close games, which is why I had the Clippers as either a sweep or a gentleman sweep in this series. But the Mavericks have really impressed me. They've stepped up a lot. I have told you, man. Remember we talked about this and we were talking about how you wanted the you thought the Mavericks were gonna get swept or a gentleman sweep, and I was like, man, you're giving them you give Mavericks, you're shutting them down a little bit too much here because I thought they were. You know, obviously they don't have Porzingis in the last game, which I think really hurts them. But uh, if they had him, I, I would think that this is, you know, they would have had a possibility of at least keeping it real close because they had a, that was a blowout to the ZN. So, yeah, my, like I said, my thoughts on it is, man, dude, the Mavericks have impressed me a lot. I think I, they're going to be a good team for a long time. That's all I got to say. But we're, sure. we're talking about the Lakers. So, yes, my opinion on the Lakers is, uh, you know, the Clippers, they had that one good game. The Lakers have done that two out of their four games versus the Blazers, where they just blew them out of the water. This was especially true for game four. In that game, 
The Blazers look like they should be called the Grazers. They were little antelope just sitting there grazing. <laughs> They're just grazing, <laughs> watching as LeBron and company ran circles around them. And LeBron, the guy was just a lion playing with his food. I mean, he was, he was 10 to 12 from the field, four or five from three. And it all just looked effortless to him. I mean, it really and, did. And, you know, for as dominant as the Lakers have been in the last few games here, and uh, as, you know, pretty dominant as the Clippers have been, these two teams today just voted to not continue the season due to all the protests and all the stuff going around in our world today. But uh, the, all the other teams voted to play on. But they were these two dominant teams, which you would think, you, you know, I wouldn't say they would think that they're the last ones to do this. They, they, all of them would be the first ones to do this. But they're the ones leading the way to almost shut down the whole season. But uh, hopefully, you know, us basketball lovers, we love basketball. We love to see this thing continue. And uh, as dominant as they've been, we just love to see great basketball. Mm. Yeah, well, we will most likely talk about that whole ordeal in our next uh, podcast uh, because it is something that is worth talking about. It's worth discussing. Um, yeah, it's just a, a lot of homework to be digging into. Right, 100%. Uh, but just to stay on the Lakers, their defense has been so good. I mean, they were containing, they were containing the Blazers to 40% from the field these past three games. I mean, that's pretty good they i mean this the blazers team they were red hot coming into this postseason and they have a lot of hype to them and i think the the lakers they handled the situation the overall situation very well and i have the utmost confidence that they'll represent the west in the nba finals but they still got to win nine more games to get there and that's my bottom line on that issue what do you think joe yeah, but like I said, they have to either beat the Rockets or Thunder to even get to that right. next level to either face the next mm. competitive yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, you know, like they got to win one more game this series, right? So that's one. And then, they, mm-hmm. you know, they got to win two more series just to even go to the finals, you know? So that's mm-hmm. total, exactly. total of nine games. They, I mean, they're looking like the dominant team, but. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. here's something to think about. With the postponed games today, and Dame's injury with his uh, sprained knee, would he be able to come back for the next game to give the Blazers somewhat of an edge? I think he'll be back for the next game. Whether or not it'll give them that edge that they need, I don't know. Because Yeah, I mean, I think they've already dug the hole too far deep. But, you know, having Dame there compared to not having him there, even though he's slightly injured or he might be okay, it, it is a very low sprained knee. doesn't seem like it's that serious, serious enough to make him lose a game or not miss, or miss a game. But... I mean, it looks like this, sadly, might help him in the long run to play this next game. I agree. Uh, and, you know, of course, if you're the Blazers, you'd much rather have him on the floor than off the floor. Of course. So yeah, we'll have to just wait and see with this, with this whole postponement of the NBA playoffs. And whether, we don't even know whether or not it's coming back. So as of right now, we'll just have to wait and see. We're going to shift gears now, and we're going to talk about an exciting matchup in the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz versus the Denver Nuggets. This series started with the Nuggets winning game one, followed by the Jazz winning games two through four for a three-to-one series lead. Last night, the Nuggets won another thriller to keep the Nuggets alive. So, Eric, we'll start with you on this one. Even though they're missing a key player in Bogdanovich, are the Utah Jazz a legitimate threat out in the West? You know, I really do think they are. And it's it actually really surprised me. Missing Bogdanovich, um, I thought they were going to be really hurting here. I thought they would be down at least, you know, 3-1, 3-2, 3-1. 
or something like that. Kind of like uh, not as you know, like not no blowouts, kind of like the Blazers and Lakers did in the last game, but uh, really close games. But I figured that the Jazz would be in a bigger hole than this. Mm-hmm. One of my surprise takes here is actually Donovan Mitchell, who has been just going off, breaking records, and uh, I really think that uh, he's doing really well for the whole team, and he's actually keeping up with the Nuggets, who I I thought they're going to be this. So it's, it looks like the Denver Nuggets are really doing well here. And even Jokic, surprisingly, isn't the main man that I thought he would be in the last mm. few games. It really has been Jamal Murray, mm. who in the last game scored 42 points, going off another 50-point game in the game before that. So, the, I mean, this guy is just going off the rails. And if you just look at this man's highlights, this guy's doing 360 layups in between traffic over the defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. Now, I'm going to ask you this question because I want to know – I want to know what you think. Um, the point right before you mentioned, you talked about the uh, you right before you talked about Jamal Murray going off. You can you repeat your point that you said right before you talked about Jamal Murray and how he's been going off. And you 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 mentioned that Jokic wasn't the man; it was actually Jamal Murray. Can you- yeah. So during these all these series games, Jokic has been putting up his numbers. Don't get me wrong. Right. But stealing the spotlight here has been Jamal Murray, who once again this man missed some of the games during the bubble hmm. because of quarantining and stuff like this. So he had to get re rechemistried and all his other stuff. This man's coming in and just killing the game, man. Him and Mitchell are just going off. They look like, you know, they're brother to brother here trying to like play one-on-one, just basically, you know, filling up the stat sheet hmm. is what I'm trying to say here. Jokic, don't get me wrong. He is still a great, great player without Jokic. They're not even close to where they are right now, but Murray has just been going off. Now I want to ask you a question because you mentioned that, you mentioned that you thought that the Denver Nuggets would be a more a stout team, a more stacked team than that, what they've shown you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that they've just been underwhelming, or do you believe that Donovan Mitchell and company have just been overwhelming, making that Nuggets team not appear as stout and as stacked? You know, I would say your second option there of the Jazz being more overwhelming. Just because, I mean, you you could still look at the Denver Nuggets roster with uh, Porter, Jokish, Murray. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of fine pieces there. You know, Morris, Millsap. I mean, even their bench with Plumlee and Porter Jr. They have a lot of great players. Bull Bull. I mean, he even played the last game. And Bull Bull was, you know, really killing it for these guys. And at least in the bubble, it's playoff time. We understand that now. He's probably going to get less minutes for being, you know, just a rookie. But when you look at the Jazz, man, they're just they're being overwhelming right now. Mitchell's been, like I said, he's been going off. Uh, I mean, Everything just looks to be on the J- Nuggets side as of right now since they are leading the series. Actually, no, sorry, the uh, the Jazz le- leading the series. They look uh, like they, they have a little bit of a thing here. But still, it's – I still have the Denver Nuggets beating the Utah Jazz here. But just as of recently, they've been li- just being a little bit better than what I thought the Jazz would be. Hmm. And, uh, I mean, nothing's stopping, like I said. Nothing is stopping Murray right now. Joe, what are your thoughts on this? Do you believe that the Jazz are a legitimate threat, even though they're missing Bogdanovich? I would say no. As you saw yesterday, Jamal Murray would not let his mm. team lose. Yes. He scored 33 of his 42 points in the second half. Mm. And, and he also played every single minute of that second half just so it wouldn't oh, that's be That's a crazy eliminated. stat. Wow. So you can't count them out. I believe the Jazz are a threat for sure. Um, I think it's a dangerous. I think it's a dangerous game you're playing if you don't take this team seriously. Donovan Mitchell is a star in this league. He's clutch. 
He elevates his teammates, and he knows exactly what to do with the ball in his hands. Credit to head coach Quinn Snyder because he's always done a good job of pumping this team up for the playoffs. Now, I said in the beginning of the season that with Mike Conley and Bogdanovich in the mix, this team is a contender. In fact, I actually called George, uh, who's our who's our, another podcaster that we have here on Highly Contested. I called George actually when they when the trade was announced that Mike Conley would be going to the Jazz. And I remember telling him that this is a smarter move than people realize for the Jazz. Because like I said, Quinn Snyder, he does a good job of pumping his team up for the playoffs. And Mike Conley has always stepped up for the Memphis Grizzlies in the playoffs. So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so un- unfortunately, you know, this team is without Bogdanovich in this year's playoffs. And that's your second leading scorer. I mean, he was averaging 20 points per game and he was shooting 41% from three this season. So, moral of the story, this team is a threat, especially if they're not taken seriously. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see Conley put up uh, a little bit better percentage numbers here, though, because I know if you look at all the starters anyway, they were all at least over 60%, 70%, like in field goals. So, we got like O'Neal doing four for six, Gobert was four for nine, Conley was five for 12, and two for six on three pointers. So, that could be a little bit better. He still scored 17 points, and he was the second highest scoring starter. Uh, uh, behind Mitchell, I would still like to see those numbers go up a little bit. Mm. Uh, or his assist numbers are looking, you know, pretty decent here. Uh, Conley's a really good player, like you say. I totally agree. Ingles to me has really been a factor for them ever since they've been joining the playoffs. He is just a great player in my mind. Mm. And Rudy Gobert is a, the last year's defensive player of the year. I mean, I just, I just thought this team would be, you know, at least top four, top five in the West. So that's right kind of where they're at. And uh, maybe, you know, next year when they have everybody together, maybe they'll go even further. Yeah, I agree with you there. Joe, any final thoughts? Um, no. Awesome. Moving forward. All right. Let's talk about the first, round play- the first round of the NBA playoffs as a whole now. Many players in this first round have stepped up. They've stepped out and they flat out balled for their team. But the question is, who has been the most impressive? So, Joe, who do you believe has been the most impressive player in the first round of the playoffs? Well, I think we all come to an agreement. It's either between Jamal Murray mm. or Donovan Mitchell. These two have been spectacular for their respective teams, and even both of them having 50-plus point games. But when it comes down to it, I think I'm going to have to say Donovan Mitchell due to the fact that he could put the team on his back. He's officially third in most points scored in a playoff game with 57 points, just behind MJ with 63 and Lakers' Elgin Baylor with 61. What do you think, Eric? What about you? Who is your most impressive player so far in the playoffs? First, first of all, can you guys even hear me? Yes. Okay, good. I hit myself cut out for a second. But, I, I mean, there's a few players I would love to point out here. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I would love to say, like, a Damian Lillard or something like that, that seemed to be more during the bubble no, non-playoff games. Um, the more that we go to, into the playoffs, things have changed. Um, the most impressive player I think I've seen so far, I mean, I'm having a hard time going in between either Murray and Mitchell. I mean, the, like I said, this is just a continuation from the last question we have because these two guys have impressed me so much. I mean, this is something I was expecting from Dame every game. But, I mean, I can't put that much uh, 
to put on Dame's back, you know. But I mean, these guys just came out, especially Murray, he came out with these woodworks here. Um, he's always been good, but just the way that he's been playing lately is just insane. And uh, same for Jonathan Mitchell. He's, you know, lack of talent that is now out uh, on the Jazz. He has just put the team on his back as well. If I had to choose between Mitchell and Murray, I'm leaning towards Mitchell. But right here, I mean, we're, if it's not a 50 50, I'm talking about like a 51 49 here. Mm. This is a tough one for me. Both players that I have in my mind are both players that you guys have discussed already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I said, I, I think we can all agree between them. They teams. have stepped up for their teams and just willed their teams to victory. Like you were, like you were saying, Joe, it's either, it's either they're willing their teams to victory or a very rough defeat. And mm-hmm. after careful consideration, I'd have to say Donovan Mitchell is the man of the first round. Yes, there we go. This man is averaging 37.6 points per game. He is stepping up when his team needs him. He hit that clutch three on Millsap for the win in game four. And after looking at the, the, looking at the virtual fans and saying, I want this bleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, with, all, with all their injuries even, too, Bogdanovich being the big one, he's just willed his team to victories in the playoffs against a very tough Nuggets team. With Jamal Murray being almost as impressive, I, I, I just I have to give Mitchell just the slightest edge because, and I think, and I think the primary reason why is because they're winning the series. If if the Nuggets were winning the series, I'd probably give it more to Murray because Murray has done everything that he's been doing in the clutchest of moments, mm-hmm. and it's just been so crucial. Both of these guys are the MVPs of their respective teams and it's hard because both of them are playing in the same series and it's like man you want these you want both of these guys to move on to the next round yeah th- this is why when yep. we had the question of do you think the Lakers on top of the West I mean of course they're very a stacked team but when they're playing an eighth seed to a first seed it, it, it's hard to say you would have to go more into the playoffs at least the, you know the, the last four games I mean uh, four teams in the playoffs because I mean when you have teams like the Nuggets and Jazz playing each other being so close in the seating, you get probably some of the best play in the playoffs right away. Mm. And then when you have a first playing an eighth seed, you just really don't get that feel. There's been only very, very select teams in the past where a first and an eighth seed is very uh, uh, close, great games, maybe game sevens, game sixes even. But uh, nothing is comparing uh, to a playoff series so far as it's been with the Jazz and uh, – uh, yeah, the Jazz, the other team here we're talking about. Sorry, <laughs> I'm trying to like, I was just the Nuggets. I'm just Nuggets, so man. so inspired by Mitchell <laughs> and also Murray. It's just insane. It is mm. insane. Mm. This has been my favorite series to watch, hands down. Uh, yes. Oh yeah, it's, definitely. You know, and it's like you 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 look at all these different matchups, and you know, you think to yourself, like, I wonder, I wonder which one's going to be that matchup. And I've always liked the Jazz as a team and I've always liked the nuggets as a team. I don't know why though. I looked at this series and I thought maybe it's not going to be as inspired. Maybe it's going to be like one of those series that, yeah, they go back and forth, but it's like the, the jazz do really well and catch the nuggets on a bad game while the nuggets do really well and catch the jazz on a bad game. The next game, I thought that's what this series was going to be honestly, but no, this series has been just 
you know, toe to toe the entire way. It's been a fun series to watch, honestly. Really Very has. fun series. I, I feel like I feel like it's if if one person on the team has like a bad sleep, the other team's gonna win. Like it's that close. Mm. It's that close. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's move away from the NBA playoffs and talk about the NBA 2020 draft. The lottery results came in and showed that the first three picks of the draft go to the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Golden State Warriors, and the Charlotte Hornets in that order. So, Eric, who's going to be the first three picks of the NBA 2020 draft, starting with the first pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves? Sure. So, I mean, I saw a lot of mock drafts, which I believe they were very, very uh, up in the air. So, uh, but the ones I'm going to go with here is the Wolves. See, the Wolves, I believe, would go for Edwards here as a guard because, they, you know, they already have their point guard in uh, D'Angelo Russell, so they wouldn't lose use a Lamelo. Uh, they have Carl Anthony Towns. They wouldn't use a Wiseman. Who These three guys, uh, Edwards, Wiseman, Lamelo, are my top three picks for the draft. So um, I really think they'd go for Edwards there, first pick. Um, and I really think the Wolves would need that next to Russell – uh, they don't have a Wiggins no more, obviously, with these with the Warriors. So uh, I think they could use an extra guard there with Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and, you know, just build off that. And uh, who knows? Maybe we might even see a trade here. I mean, it depends how really into it the Timberwolves really want to do this pick. They, I mean, they have choices here, but I do think they'll pick Edwards. Mm. Joe, who do you have the Timberwolves drafting with the first overall pick? See, I kind of went with what Eric said, but I ultimately have him get Lamella Ball. He's going to pair up great with D'Angelo. They're going to have one of them play point guard, one play shooting guard. And both of them are really great at creating scoring opportunities, and they're great passing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. let's see. Yeah, so um... – I debated between I, I debated between both the picks that you guys have mentioned, and I ultimately decided that I thought the first pick that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to select is going to be Anthony Edwards. The reason why I selected mm. this guy is this is a guy with size, strength, athleticism, and I believe he's the most NBA ready, and that's what the Timberwolves need right now. They need they need him because I think he'll be a solid one-two punch with D'Angelo Russell. I think that he will. I think that he will kind of be, um, in a way. This is a this is, this is a bad comparison. I you know when I think about it, but I, in a way, it's almost like D'Angelo Russell is going to be their Steph Curry, so to speak, where he's going to be the offensive scoring machine, and he might not do as well defensively. And I see Anthony Edwards more so being like a Clay Thompson, where he's going to be that defensive, you know, that defensive player that, yeah. you know, steps up mm-hmm. against yeah, I agree. the other team's guards. Um, and, again, I think it's a bad comparison, but when you look at, like, just those two factors that I just said, like Russell being the offensive-minded player that can create and shoot, while Edwards is more the defensive-minded player where he just guards the other team's mm-hmm. best player, I think it is kind of similar to the Warriors in that sense. Um, the one piece, though, that I think just needs to step up, honestly, is Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. Very much so. Yep. I think he needs. Agree. I think he needs Very to step much. up because I think it's high time he has. I mean, we are we are seeing some amazing players right now in this in this NBA playoffs, and 
it's almost like these players are so good that it's like you you almost forget that Carl Anthony Towns, you know, got drafted not not too long right before them, you know. Yeah. And so he needs to step up in my opinion, but I think that if they have the right role players around him, he'll do better because he's clearly not the guy. Sure. I think I think Russell could be the guy, but he needs a supporting cast as well. So. I think he, he pretty much pro- proved that on the Nets. He can be that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. How about the second pick? So the second pick is going to go to the Golden State Warriors. And Eric, you are our biggest Warriors fanatic. Who do you think <laughs> the, uh, Golden State Warriors are going to pick with their number two overall pick? The Golden State Warriors will go from bottom, bottom of the barrel to the top of the top of the crop here. All right. Mm. To me, for years, the Warriors have been missing this piece. I mean, they've had good players in this position, but I just think they haven't had the best in this position. So I really do think the Warriors go for Wiseman. Now, Wiseman is a center that can shoot. He's a center that can play the paint. He's really good underneath the basket. Um, if you want to compare him to someone, I know we're going way out the box here, but I, I could see him being the next AD. This guy is great in size. AD was skinny when he came in the league. Wiseman isn't too skinny. He's probably more built than AD was, but uh, he could still bulk up. Uh, he's very athletic. He can move uh, almost like a Giannis when it comes to his, uh, you know, his, his high steps and everything. Uh, I just see a lot of promise with this guy. Hmm. Uh, he is very, very NBA ready. Um, this man is just incredible. And I think the Warriors could really use a good center. I mean, they have Curry. They have Thompson. I mean, Thompson's going to maybe not be the same player after his injury, but he's still going to be that guy. So it's going to be Curry, Clay, Draymond, Wiseman, and Andrew Wiggins, like and Draymond Green. Like I don't, I don't know how you even defeat that team. Uh, maybe just by their bench, but even at the bench, they keep Eric Pascal, who looks like an upcoming player. So I mean, I think Wiseman would be a great pick here. Now I know there's plenty of rumors that show that they might trade this pick. There's plenty of players they could trade this pick for. Way too many to even uh, dive into that right now. But if the Warriors are not going to trade the pick, I definitely think they're going for Wiseman here. Hmm. Um, so you mentioned something that I thought was pretty interesting. You said that you think you believe that Wiseman will be sort of the next AD, right? Yeah, if we're comparing just by his length, the size, his athleticism, the way he can shoot from the three and his uh, presence in the paint as well and, and his assist numbers. So I guess my question would be, do you think that the Timberwolves go after him then if he if 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 it seems like he's going to be the next AD, because I mean, if you're, if you're talking about the next Anthony Davis, I don't see why he's not the undisputed number one overall pick. What do you think? I mean, yes. Like I said, I was reaching, you know, high up there with the AD comparison, but I know, I still think the Timberwolves have some love for, for cat here. Um, if they wanted to do it now, they would just pick uh, Edwards and keep Cat and uh, D'Angelo and build around that crew right there. Mm. Um, because, I mean, think about it. If they get Wiseman and they have Cat, they'll have two big centers. I mean, maybe move Cat to power forward or one of them power forward. Um, it'd be kind of hard to do that. Maybe they can go for Wiseman and try and draw a trade from another team. Mm. But it'd be hard to do that because if the Warriors, let's say, they were interested in uh, – Wiseman, I mean, they'd probably go for Edwards immediately and they wouldn't be worrying about a center and just go with Marquise Chris, who they already have, who is a really cheap, really good center playing in the system. So, I mean, I just I just don't see the Timberwolves really going for Wiseman. 
Edwards, like you said, uh, you said he's really NBA ready, which he is. Really good guard, really good defense, and I think that's really what they need. I know Joe is trying to go with the Lamelo Russell backcourt thing, but I mean, I just don't think that. Look, you could look at it when the when the Warriors had Curry and Russell, it was just very sloppy-ish defense. It, it just doesn't look like it would work. So I mean, now if Clay was more in that mix too, with I know a lot of them had injuries, but uh, I just don't see La, with Lamelo's defense and. Russell's that you go far with that, especially with with Towns. So I think they go smart here and go with Edwards. Mm. So Joe, what about you? So Warriors, who are they going to get with that second overall pick? I agree with Eric. Wiseman is just a good center. He, he's a seven-one center, weighs mm. two forty. Yeah. He's a big body presence in in the paint. Where the Warriors were kind of iffy on this year with Chris being a shorter mm-hmm. center. And I kind of agree with Eric on the comparison. It could be like an AD. Hmm. So then I'm going to ask you, I guess, the same question, Joe. Uh, if, if, if you think he could be the next Anthony Davis, what, why would, what gives you reason to believe that he's not the undisputed number one overall pick? Just the lone fact, because I think the Timberwolves still got love for mm-hmm. it. Cat, I don't think they want to get rid of him. And if they do, it, the only reason it will be for us mm. for Wiseman and trade Cat. Interesting. So, ironically, so you talked about you talked about Joe Wiseman is two forty. I don't know if you guys know this actually, but Anthony Edwards he's two twenty five. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a big, big boy yeah. too. Yeah, he's a big boy too. Eric, what mm. were you going to say something? No, it's 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 true. He's uh well once again, Wiseman is taller, Edwards is, you know, obviously a shorter guard. I mean, they are close in weight. Uh, Edwards is a little bigger than most guards probably, and Wiseman is probably you know, he's a little scrawny as of now. Like I said, A D like I'm pretty sure A D came in skinnier than in the league than uh Wiseman is. Wiseman seems to be a little bit more in shape coming into the league. So I am in agreement with both of you. I think that the Warriors go after Wiseman. I think they choose James Wiseman with that second pick. I think it's, you know, when I look at it, I think it's more of a better, I think it's more of a better fit for Wiseman than it is a better fit for the Warriors because he's athletic. He defends well, he rebounds well, and he's going to get some love getting some excellent passes from Steph Curry. I think Steve Kerr is a great coach for him because uh, one of the things that one of the things that he was kind of discounted on with his uh, draft stock was just his ability, his, uh, his drive, his motor, I guess. And I think Steve mm. Kerr will do a good job of just motivating him. And I think he'll prosper in that system just overall. So I think the Warriors get a good player in Wiseman. And I think Wiseman goes in the best possible spot for him, in my honest opinion, in the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. With the third pick... Joe, who do you have with the third pick? I'm assuming it's Anthony Edwards, but do tell. Ding, ding, ding. You're right. Anthony Edwards. He's a 6'5 shooting guard. He's, he sways, like you said, 225. He's a big boy. He's strong and very mm-hmm. athletic, which is why the Hornets need a, need a player like that because they really don't have anyone on that team that's – going to give that good effort and um i gotta say 
But the only thing that worries me, though, is when he was with Georgia, he was kind of stagnant a little bit on the team. Mm, in what way, Joe? Uh, I think he, from what it's, from what I read, it said, like, he was 40% on uh, – I need to look up on the stats mm. a little bit more. I'll get back so to you. So when you that. say stagnant, was it kind of like he was, you know, kind of like half half here, half somewhere else? He was – yeah, he was basically, I could say, he was the focal point of the team, and there wasn't really anywhere else, any any player around him that could help him. Interesting. So you believe that, like, he reached his max potential at Georgia just because of the overall team around him? Okay. Yes. But with the Hornets, I could see them actually moving pieces to help him get to where he needs to go at mm, that next level. Interesting take. Eric, what about you? So the third pick, Charlotte Hornets. Who do you have? Yes. So I really think the Hornets are hurting here uh, due to the fact that uh, a year ago they lost Timba Walker to mm-hmm. the Celtics. Um, I really think they would get LaMelo Ball here. To me, this would be the smartest thing for them to do if he's still on the board. Just because you have a consistent passer, he can score better than at least any one of his brothers. Um, and it looks like he'd be a smart pick for the Hornets. You know, they're missing. They, they do have a point guard. I think it's uh, Terry Rozier they have uh, there. But, uh, I mean, I, I would just like to see LaMelo play for Charlotte. It might not be his hottest destination to go to, obviously, here. But um, I really see this as a smart move on the Hornets. They said the Hornets lost a great point guard in Kemba Walker, who they have, uh, the Celtics now have, and they're doing really well in the playoffs. So, I mean, I think they're trying to get that back and try to, you know, restart everything here in Charlotte. Mm. So, And they're really lucky, by the way, that they even got this third pick. I would think the Cavs would have been here or uh, close to it, but they got really lucky and snuck in and got the third mm, pick. Yeah. It's interesting, huh, that they snagged it. Hey, go ahead, Joe. Yeah. Andrew, can I, can I add to what yeah, I go said prior? Sure. He, in his time at Georgia – he averaged 19.1 points and 5.2 rebounds in his one mm. season. At this Georgia. is Anthony Edwards. But, yes, but only shot 40.2% from the field and 29.4% from the mm. three-point range. Yeah, that's not the hottest, but he's there. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a reason why people have them going, you know, in some of their mock drafts, they have them going number one overall. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I looked at the Charlotte Hornets and uh, – I thought the same thing, Eric. I think they get their Kimba Walker replacement here in LaMelo Ball. Um, He's not strong, uh, but the thing is he's got length, and that's that's all you really need to be able to just go into the NBA. You can can bulk a player up, but you cannot make a player grow, and I think that he will fill his body in. I thought the same – I kind of thought the same idea too with James Wiseman because we talked about earlier how James Wiseman is the same idea. He's a little, little skinnier. And he could he could benefit you know a little bit more from bulking up. I think the same thing about Lamelo. Um, he's a little skinny. He's a little mm. skinny. I think for his height. I mean, he's six eight. You know, and he's. Yeah. I mean, he was like, I can't remember how much he weighed, but it was it wasn't in the two hundreds. And for being for being six eight, that's pretty um, skinny. It's pretty it's pretty uh, lanky. Oh yeah, he, yeah. he is very yeah. scrawny, and he, he he could use some more bulk to him. It would very much help him so when he's driving into the paint and everything. Um, but being, you know, as he is right now, he is very quick, very agile. So he's able to get, you know, real fast to where his, wherever he wants to go on the court. 
So that kind of helps him in the long run there too. But see, Lamelo, he's six six, one eighty. Yeah, one eighty. So six uh, six. Mm. I, I could have sworn he had said he was six eight. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe, maybe the. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, um, he's not. He's just you know, his defense needs to improve. But the nice thing, though, is we. I mean, we said the same thing about. We said the same thing about Lonzo, and he quietly became one of the league's best shutdown players uh, for other opposing teams' guards. Um, yeah, he's really good at steals and assists, and he does really well there. It's, you know, Lonzo's just not like his little brother here. As far as the offensive, uh, as far as as far as yes. the scoring threat, he's not as not nearly as much of a scoring threat as his brother. Um, I think that his defense can improve, and he's got excellent shooting ball handling and I believe that out of these three he's got the highest potential and of course and uh mm-hmm. I think that's going to take him places if he you know fully go if fully if he fully dives head first into uh becoming the best player he could be in the NBA but do you think his dad would want him to go to Charlotte because it is MJ's you know team. what's funny Joe is you know we heard so much about uh you know, LeVar Ball, when Lonzo was in, was when he was in college, when he was, when he was, mm-hmm. when they were considering drafting him, when they were doing mock drafts, we kept hearing over and over and over about LeVar Ball. I haven't <laughs> really heard about him once. I mean, have you guys? Yeah, he's been quite, kind of quiet. No, I've heard a lot from him, actually. He was actually on a, I want to say he was on ESPN or one of those uh, outlets, but he was actually talking about, how the, there was a rumor that the Warriors might pick him up with this with the, one of their picks because this is before the draft lottery, and uh, he was actually giving a lot of dirt to the Warriors, saying like, "Oh, if I don't want the Warriors picking my son," and all this other stuff. I'm guessing it's only because he wants his son to be in a position where he can become his own player. If he goes to the Warriors, he has Curry there. You know what I mean? And obviously, he's probably the biggest point guard in in the history or in in the league as of right now. So I mean, he wouldn't grow or into what his dad wants him to be right away. You see what I'm saying? Which I understand from a father's uh, perspective, but you also got to think of the longevity of it. You know, even if the Warriors happen to pick him, which I think is like a 0% at this point, um, I really would think it would help him if he was uh, maybe sitting bench or uh, maybe starting here and there uh, to be, you know, mentored by like Stephen Curry and Clay and Dre and, and all these guys. I think it would be amazing. But uh, it seems like his dad was really throwing some dirt there, uh, like at least against the Warriors or just talking about the Warriors picking him out. It sounded like he was trying to persuade through television and media for them not to pick him like he kind of did with his uh, son, uh, his first son that got drafted. Yeah. Uh, before I address that, before I address that point, Eric, I just want to I just want to, you know, quietly say here that. uh to to address your previous point of Lam- of uh, Lamelo being the biggest point guard in the league, <laughs> I believe the Lakers have a point guard on their team. His name is LeBron James. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, he's not a true point guard. I mean, that's what that's what he's listed no. on in the stat sheet. So, actually, no, uh, on the stat sheet on the box score, true, it doesn't say his that. true position is small. Yeah, it says small forward on the box scores on ESPN and everything. They still put him in that position, yeah, right? Anyways, just to address your point, though, uh, I believe I believe that the reason why he was, you know, giving flack to the Warriors is because I mean, this guy's this guy's smarter than a lot of people realize. 
I think what he was trying to do is he was trying to just, you know, let the Warriors let the Warriors know, like, I'm going to give your team hell if you draft my son. So don't draft my son because I don't want my son to be on your team. Just because of the fact that if he's on your team, he's not going to be starting. He's going to be coming off the bench with, I mean, obviously Steph and Clay, you know, there. There's no reason why there's no reason why they would start LaMelo over those two. So I think that's the reason why. I think he just I think he just wants LaMelo to start and uh to just to blossom in his own way. Blossom in his own way. Exactly. Yeah. So now yeah. I understand that, but like I said, I think from the father's perspective I understand it. Mm-hmm. But I really think we should see LaMelo here do his own thing and say what he wants to say about whatever he wants to do, wherever he wants to go. Mm. Because his father's been doing this since, I mean, since he was in high school till he went to almost went to college, but then, you know, couldn't do that. And then he went to Latvia and, and then he went to the NBL in Australia. And it seems like his dad was there the whole way, except less on the Australian aspect, but now he's coming back over. He's like, he's trying to slowly do it again. I, like I said, I understand it from a father's perspective, I understand it that he wants to see him probably be on a better team to start anyways, start from scratch or it doesn't have to be a bottom of the barrel team. It could be another team that just needs a point guard. Mm. Let's change things up now and head over to the NFL for our final topic. Former Ravens safety Earl Thomas had a confrontational issue with another safety on the team on Friday. The team released Earl Thomas on Sunday for conduct that has adversely affected the Baltimore Ravens, quote unquote. So, Joe, <laughs> will Earl Thomas get signed to an NFL team before the season starts? I would 100 percent mm. guarantee Earl Thomas is even talking to um mm, team strong right take, now. Joe. Strong 100%. take. I like it. Go. But can I can I give some potential learning spots he could go possibly go to? All right, here's my five spots that he might go to. Number one, the Dallas Cowboys. He's been saying it from once he left Seattle that he wants to go to Dallas Cowboys. Number two, the Cleveland Browns. They have tons of cap space, and they recently lost their starting safety to Mm -hmm. an injury. Number three, the San Francisco 49ers. The connection there is Richard Sherman having them both play in Seattle, so they have a Mm. connection. Number four, the Houston Texans. He is from Texas, which is why the Texans and the Cowboys, but his agent is also Deshaun Watson's agent also. So there's a connection there. And my number five, this one's kind of out there, New England Patriots. You could never count out mm. Bill Belichick. Nice. Interesting. So you do believe that he signs with one of those teams? I have to say, Joe, I think the Dallas Cowboys are out. I believe that they've actually expressed that they are uninterested yeah. in signing him. They they actually have done that. They could they could say that, but who who knows? It's yeah, I guess you're right. Down. Yeah. I mean Yeah. I mean every outlet I've looked at so far said that they're not interested anymore. Uh, it, it seems like the art he is in talks with many teams. So, and it looks like the Dallas Cowboys Cowboys have opted out into signing him. So, Eric, what do you believe? Do you believe Eric, uh, Earl Thomas gets signed to an NFL team before the season starts? So, I think his best two options. Which, and yes, I think he he will get signed for sure. I mean, you're talking about top notch talent here. Um, even though he has done some questionable things in the past, uh, he is like I said, top notch talent. I think the two best teams that he can. Of their play, 
spot and they have a lot of uh, cap space. And then second best option would be the Niners. Um, I picked these two teams in general just because, obviously, like I said, the Browns have the cap space. They can do what they have the position to kind of fill for a while. And then, uh, of course, the Browns could always use that. And then uh, we have the Niners, where if you're looking at from his perspective, it might be less money than the Browns, but going to the Niners would almost guarantee you a playoff spot. You know, So you're, you're going to get a playoff spot, possibly a, a, a trip away or a game away from a super, another Super Bowl uh, game or at least close enough to it. Going with the Browns, I don't believe he has that chance. You know, and of course it means, you know, the more you continue to play off, the more money you get, the more accolades you get, who knows what else you can get during that. So I really think he'll try to go for those two teams. I don't think he'll go for the Houston Texans though, Joe, on your list. Um, the Houston Texans have a very, very iffy front staff, uh, front office. They just, you know, there's a reason why players have been traded there for almost nothing. And uh, they just, that front office has not been handling stuff well. And the losing players here and there. I mean, they still have some strong players in JJ Watt, obviously, and uh, Deshaun Watson. But if if I'm if I'm in his position, I'm looking at the Cleveland Browns and I'm looking at the San Francisco 49ers. Hmm. Interesting takes. Uh, so you guys are both in agreement. You guys both think that Earl Thomas will get signed to an NFL team before the season starts. I'm going to go against you guys though by saying I don't believe that he will get signed. I believe that hmm. Earl Thomas has become the Antonio Brown of safeties. Let's let's jump right into this guy's track record. Let's just jump headfirst into it. All right. Let's, let's do it. Sure. So it. September 30th, 2018, was his last significant act in a Seahawks jersey when he flips off Pete Carroll on his way to the locker room after breaking his leg. March 13th, mm-hmm. 2019, he verbally agrees – or sorry, after verbally agreeing – to signing with the Kansas City Chiefs the day before, he accepts a bo- uh, offer from Baltimore. October twenty first, two thousand nineteen, Thomas doesn't report with the team flight back to Baltimore, and he also chooses to take the week off, missing multiple meetings. April thirteenth, twenty twenty. This was the whole situation with uh, his wife and his brother, and he was supposedly cheating, and <laughs> she holds him at gunpoint. Yada yada yada. Um, he doesn't tell. He doesn't tell the team this, and they find out later through social media, and it's just it was an entire debacle with that situation. Um, and now let's go to the recent events. This this past Friday, he gets into a confrontation with his fellow safety for blowing a coverage, and he punches his teammates. Saturday, he posts a video of that, of the blown coverage in an attempt to make him look like the victim, and then he deletes the video because it is a violation of team rules. Sunday, they release him for conduct detrimental to the team. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. When he first got released, I was thinking, oh, dude, the Cowboys are going to jump on him right now. But the Cowboys have expressed that they're uninterested in signing him. Uh, And that was, I believe, his best shot, honestly. I don't see a team signing him unless they're desperate for a safety due to injury. Because, as I mentioned, he's sort of become the Antonio Brown of safeties. Well, you're right here. His his past has, you know, nightmare written on it. But you got to remember this. This man just got paid by the Ravens. And then it got, uh, now it's a terminated contract. 
But now, in the pros to the teams, cons to the player, and the pros to the teams that could sign him, they won't sign him for that big contract that the Ravens got him for. Because mm. now he has another thing on this list, you know, to grow it. So now they're going to get him on a lower contract, and he's a, still going to be that same great player trying to reprove himself probably so he can get that contract, you know, starting back up. But they're going to sign him for less. So I wouldn't see why a team would go out there and try, especially some teams out there that would try for anything. Mm. Are you sure they're going to sign him for less? Like, yeah, are you... I could almost guarantee it won't be the same number that he signed, he signed on. That's, and, and, yeah, and if they do, that, sure. that's that on that team, and I would think that would be a pretty big mistake mm-hmm. just because, I mean, you could have worked that number. They could be like, hey, man, you turn, your last contract got terminated. You know, you're doing this. You're doing a little good on anybody, and we can't make that same risk. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys as, you know, as some because we've kind of seen this song and dance from Antonio Brown. You know what I mean? I wouldn't put it yeah, past Coming Earl from Thomas. a Raider fan, I know that. <laughs> Both of you guys are Raiders fans, so you guys, you yeah. guys, we don't want to talk got... about this no more. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want. <laughs> you guys got front row seats to the whole drama, but <laughs> oh man, yeah. um, I, I wouldn't put it past Earl Thomas to say I'm not settling for anything less than the contract that I had with the Ravens. I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past him, honestly. And that can happen, but uh, I'm pretty sure Joe has more to say on that uh, on this too. But I just, I just don't think that he would get that number. Mm. Joe? Judging from what happened, because he had two prior, well, the uh, incident that just happened, and another teammate that he argued with, uh, defensive tackle Brendan Williams, Mm. during a game. So I think if a team doesn't want to take a big risk, maybe sign him for a one-year contract, maybe two, to see how he fits in. And if it's only just like a one- or two-year contract, they're not going to spend a lot of money, maybe $10 million, probably a year, if that, probably more, I don't know. But it's not going to be a big risk if you sign to a one- or two-year contract. Um, I think that his con- – I, I, I want to say his contract was four years for, I believe it was $73 million. Now, don't quote mm-hmm. me on that mm-hmm. because I'm not 100%, but I want to believe that that's what his contract was. Oh. I'll yeah, look go it for up. it. Um, I, I want to believe that's what his contract was. If that's what it was, you're looking at somewhere somewhere close to $18 million a year, maybe a little bit more than that. And yeah. I just think that, you know, like Joe said, if you're going to be – if that's what he says and you really want to sign him, I think that's what you do. You give him just, you know, hey, we'll sign you one year, $18 million. You need to show us that you deserve to stay on this team long term. Yeah, and and I, I do. If a team does sign him long term, I do believe that it would be, uh, uh, in a way, it'd be more about guaranteed money. So you could sign him for another seventy three million dollar contract for however long, but if he was guaranteed, let's say twenty million a year in his old contract, uh, these ain't real numbers. I'm just you know doing it hearsay. Uh, if, I think now they could just give him that same amount of money of seventy three. But the guaranteed money won't be the same because now they're going to say, hey, if you want to work towards that guaranteed money, it's going to be less because obviously you've been through all this stuff. And if you want to earn that, you could earn that through, you know, either bonuses or anything that could put in that contract. Yeah. So his actual contract was a four year, $55 million contract with 
32 million. Well, I was way off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the 32 of the 32 million consists of $20 million. In I would expect bonuses. that guaranteed money to definitely be less. It might give them the same big contract of the like 50, whatever it was, 53, you say. Mm. Um, yeah, it, they, mm. might, they might give them that 55. to be you know up to par with it or maybe 50 or maybe a little bit less. But I think that guaranteed money number would definitely be a little bit lower. Hmm. Maybe put like a precaution in his yeah. contract saying if you act out, we won't give you yeah, any money. Pretty much like how the Raiders had it with, with AB when obviously he went out and they got all their money back. Yeah. And I mean, the funny thing is too, though, I mean, you looked at, <laughs> you look at AB when he does get released from the Raiders. I mean, he acts like he acts like it's no big deal. Nothing happened. Um, I mean, you know, there's mm-hmm. obviously, of course, the the here and there about whether or not that's what he actually wanted because then he ends up getting signed by the Patriots. Who knows? Long story short, though, uh, you know, he does all this drama only to get released. You know, I just for me personally, I don't if it was if it was my team, I would not want them signing Earl Thomas at all. So I to- no, I totally agree, especially with a team. I know for a fact, guarantee the Raiders would not look at him one bit just because they're tired of probably what happened with AB and they don't need another player like that. Hmm. Well, that's all the time we have to, for today, everyone. I want you to thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We are going to post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one, everyone.